Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... It was worth it to Jesus Christ to die on the cross so we could do church. Certainly, it must have some worth to us. If Jesus would die on the cross so we could become brothers and sisters, if it was worth it to him, it has to have some worth to us. By over-individualizing the Christian life, if it's all about you, you will not be excited about the progress of your brothers and sisters. One of the most exciting parts of following Jesus is that there's always something to be thankful for. Today, Pastor Jim explains how to look for joy and blessing in an uncommon place, the life of others. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 with part two of his message entitled, Another Reason to Rejoice. Biblically, what is grace? There's a lot of things we could say about it but I try to give you a different definition of it every time so you remember it, so I've chosen two F words today. Sorry, that's a bad thing to say. You'll have to edit the tape for that. Um, (laughs) Grace is forgiveness and fuel. It's forgiveness of sins and the fuel of the Spirit of God to change. But not just so you change, so we all see you change. And as you change, it enlarges our faith. And as any one of us changes, as I change, it enlarges your faith. One of the most wonderful things, some of the older people in this church that have been here a while have said to me, is it has been wonderful to see you grow into being a pastor. My heart is bigger than my town when people say that to me. Because I know I'm not a perfect man. I know I have a lot of flaws. But for them to see the good of what God is doing means everything to me. And I'm not a person who requires a lot of encouragement to keep going. I'm not a lot of person. I mean, people have criticism. I eat the chicken and I spit out the bones. I'm just not wired that way. But imagine a church where people were into dispensing that level of grace to one another. So the Apostle Paul is rejoicing in God's work through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, which he sees in their lives. But here's the important key. He's looking for it. You have to be looking for this fountain of grace, or you're just not going to see it. If you're only looking for the flaws in people, if you're only looking for what's wrong, you will not see what God is doing. Verse 15, and his affections, and this is Titus, Titus' joy and excitement and love that's growing for the Corinthian church, his affections are greater for you as he remembers the what? The great food that they had down in Corinth, the great sightseeing trips, the beach, No, no, as he remembers, look at this, 
the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. So there was a discipline problem in the Corinthian church. There's a fellow that seemed to refer to as the wrongdoer. We're not told exactly who he is and what he did. A lot of people suspect different things, but I think in his grace, God didn't tell us so we could apply it to various situations. And the apostle Paul, who represents the word of God, told them what to do. And guess what they did? They did what they were told to do. And that increased Titus' faith. They received him with fear and trembling. They received him as a messenger from God because he brought the word of the Lord to them. Now people say, well, that letter's not in the Bible. It might have been the word of the Lord for them. (laughs) What does fear and trembling mean in terms of obedience? Well, if you're a Christian... It was the realization that you were not living according to God's way. You realized that maybe you weren't a good person. Since I already ruined the tape with the F word, (laughs) you realized you weren't too sexy for your shirt. (laughs) You realized you weren't all it. And you probably broke down in tears. Whether you're a later life convert like me or you were raised in the church and you walked away from God, a lot of people hear that's their story. You realized that you had sinned against God and you came to him in fear and trembling and he warmly embraced you. And you know whenever he speaks, you're paying attention. You're listening. And the same faith and trust that saves you is the same that sustains you. It helps you See that the Holy Spirit will help you as you rest in Jesus Christ and follow him. And so you hear this fellow Titus given a hard mission to go on, but he takes it as from the Lord, and he's a solid Christian man. He is not detached from the lives of others. And notice how the Apostle Paul proves it by saying, his affections are greater for you. To the very core of his being, seeing the Lord's work in others, seeing Jesus Christ's love for the people of God in the Corinthian church, Titus' heart is enlarged. It's enlarged for Jesus, and it's enlarged for the Corinthian church. Seeing their godly repentance, seeing them admit their accountability before the Lord, strengthened Titus' faith and the apostles too. And this is just a side note, and I know this, some might not want to hear this, but it is what it is. The New Testament, Jesus and the apostles, don't have a category for followers of Jesus who are not part of a church. Those New Testament letters are almost entirely letters to churches. We read them as how they pertain to us, and they do, but we don't read them collectively as we should if we want to really understand them in context. That's why when people are in the hospital, we bring the church to them. That's why when people are in nursing homes, they have church services. That's why when people are in prison, they have services there. Because God does not want his people. And God fuels the people who do such things. God does not want his people to be so disconnected from one another. But not only their sorrow for their sin, he says here, their obedience. Listen, a lot of people today 
think that the talk about obedience to God's word, what do I mean by obedience? You are doing your best with God's help to obey the word of the Lord. You're not turning your back on the word of the Lord. You're getting help where you need help. There is no shame in asking for help. In fact, when somebody comes to me and they want help to obey the Lord, there are a few people I admire more because they swallowed their pride. Or when I hear about people in community groups, when I hear people saying, oh, you know, we're not going to tell you who it was, nothing to worry about, but just there was some real confession of sin and some real repentance. I'm like, oh, man, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. You read the book of Romans. He's constantly talking about obedience of the people of God as one of his goals. It's important to see that obedience, which many Christians discount, is an outward expression, is an outward sign of what is going on in the inside. Jesus said, if you're my friend, you'll do what I say. You know what he meant by that? If you're my friend, you'll do what I say. (laughs) That's it. We obey Jesus because we love him. We serve people because we love him. We serve people because we love people because Jesus loved us. Silly example. Silly. Really silly. Men, take note. My wife told me she was running late. And the coffee was brewing and she was upstairs getting ready. And so the coffee got done and I took a cup of coffee up to her while she was getting ready so she didn't have to come down herself. Was I trying to get on her good side? No. Did I just spend the night on the couch? No. (laughs) Never have, actually. She's very gracious. (laughs) Why did I bring it to her? Because I love her. We do stuff for people because we love people. We do stuff for Jesus because we love Jesus. Notice it's tied to fear and trembling here in this context because those who trust in the Lord don't take sin lightly because they know it's our sin that crucified Jesus. Verse 16, he summarizes and transitions. He says, therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. Another version says, I rejoice that I can have confidence in you in everything. He rejoices that this troublesome Corinthian church is responding to the Lord's work in them, and now the Lord is actually using them to encourage Titus, who's encouraging the Apostle Paul. What more can we want for one another? That the Lord is working in us and the Lord is working through us. Some scholars think this word confidence could be translated in the use here of boldness or frankness. In other words, he's just saying that he was so thankful that they're willing and able to receive the rebuke and correction from the Lord. Either way, understand this. When the Bible talks about confidence, it doesn't mean like we are like, oh, you can do it, you can do it. It has to do with the Lord's work. The confidence in the Bible is a persuasive encouragement that God is empowering his people to follow the word of the Lord, to follow God's course of action, God's path for you. Several examples we could turn to, but I'll take one from 2 Thessalonians 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, 4. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will to do the things we command you. What did he command them to do? The word of the Lord. The same things that we come across that we see in our Bible. There's some things I really love about the Corinthian church. I have no desire to pastor them, trust me. 
So if you all want to become immoral, drinking at the communion table, you know, suing one another, go somewhere else, right? Or I will, right? I don't desire that, but we learn something important from them. It is very unwise to discount the effect of the power of the word of God on those who hear it. It is unwise for us to rationalize that people do not want to hear the story of Jesus Christ. We don't ask ourselves whether people want to hear it or not. We do our best to position ourselves to tell them the story. I was talking with somebody recently, and they said, I don't know how to get the conversation started. And I said to them, well, do you drink? And they said, no, no, I come from a bad background of that. I go, well, so do I. Let me tell you how I do it. I go to a party. Somebody says, would you like a beer? I'm polite. I say, no, thank you. They say, come on, come on, just have a beer. Now being polite goes out the window. (laughs) I say, I don't drink anymore. Would you like to know why? (laughs) And then I tell them the story. The Lord uses his word to change people, especially in the church. And if we're looking carefully, you and I will find the Lord in a fresh new way, in a way that is endless an unlimited fountain of joy and of grace. You see, the Apostle Paul sees the world in such a spiritually healthy way. Those of us who are older, we remember a song that used to be around back in the day. You want to hear me sing? Now you're really ruining the recording, Pastor Jim. (laughs) Sing with me. He's got the whole world in his hand, right? You see, that was the Apostle Paul's way of looking at the world. He didn't have a stroke of bad luck. He didn't say, why do bad things happen to good people? He sees everything, even as his own hurt, as the wondrous unfolding of God's plan. You say, how could he see the world this way? Because he knew that was the story of the cross. Where the perfect Son of God died on the cross in your place for your sins, in Paul's place. He knew it was in his place. So God's plan for the forgiveness of sins could be offered to anyone. I love what Acts 3.19, Peter says this. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted. Become a child of God. Have forgiveness of sins and eternal life, that your sins may be blotted out. Your sins are wiped off the ledger. What happened to your sins? They were placed on Jesus on the cross so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul sees the repentance of the Corinthian church. He sees the joy and excitement of Titus as not only for what they are, but he sees them as ways that the Holy Spirit is strengthening him. And God's plan is unfolding. I have some serious concerns today about many of the Christians that I know. Technology and entertainment, and I'm not going to sit here and badmouth all that stuff. There's some really good stuff about that. But technology and entertainment has produced an unhealthy detachment in many people's lives. And if you're in a place of depression or anger or resentment, that will not take long for bitterness to settle in. It won't take long at all. 
A church experience of people just coming and going rips the people of God off. That's what most people experience in the area in which we live. It rips people off from a source of God's power in our lives, experiencing the work of God in the lives of others. Yes, community comes with a cost. It's not always easy. But if it was, man, if it was worth it to Jesus Christ to die on the cross so we could do church, certainly it must have some worth to us. If Jesus would die on the cross so we could become brothers and sisters, if it was worth it to him, it has to have some worth to us. By over-individualizing the Christian life, if it's all about you, you will not be excited about the progress of your brothers and sisters. You will not be excited about the godliness of our church coming and worshiping without a heartfelt joy, coming to church and not being on the edge of your seat, to hear the word of the Lord will easily be replaced. What will it be replaced by? At best, this is what our church is doing. And you talk to so many people, what's going on at your church? Oh, this is what we're doing. And we should be doing stuff for the Lord. Don't get me wrong. But what should it be? He walks among us. He walks up and down the aisles of our church. He goes in our cafe after service. And he sits with us. As we talk about how wonderful he is and all he's doing in everybody's lives. But if that's not it, if we're not worshiping with heartfelt worship, if we're not on the edge of our seat to hear the word of the Lord, if we just come whenever it's convenient... More often than not, we will defer to how comfortable we are. We will defer to how our own individual life is going, because that's all that will really matter. And I'm not saying this to make anybody feel guilty, but I want you to search your heart. Do you talk to people about the presence of the Holy Spirit among us? I'm not talking weirdness. I'm talking that he was here. Do you talk about the refreshing that the word of the Lord brought to you? Are you going to say to people today, man, I want to drink out of that fountain? Are you going to talk to people about hearing the voice of the Lord? Seriously. Or are you going to spend time talking to your friends about stuff that you could text them about on Tuesday? Really? It might be strange that so much of the apostles' joy and happiness is so closely tied to the spiritual life of others. We tend to reserve that for our kids if we're parents. We tend that reserve for our immediate family, people we share the same blood with, but that's what the church is. We are people who share the same blood. We are brothers and sisters by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we must care about one another. There's too many people who go here for the pastors to do it. There just is. We have to do it for one another. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I am so jacked up happy that you are here. I really am. So many people that sit around you walked into this church that way. Or they thought they were Christian, 
And they got here a few weeks and they realized they weren't a Christian because they never turned to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ. I understand how this might seem so odd to you, but understand this. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so you could have the forgiveness of sins, so you could have eternal life, so you could have heaven, so you could be an heir to heaven, and so you could join this dysfunctional family. That's why he died on the cross. We know we're not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, it's certainly not here. But when we're looking for what, just not what's wrong, but what God is doing, we're going to see amazing things. When Jesus' love is properly experienced, it overflows to others. And somehow, the joy of the Lord is given back to us. Care and concern for others. Service to others is not a duty. It is a grace-motivated expression of our salvation. And the enemy of that is selfishness. The enemy of that is self-centeredness. It rips you off for all Jesus has for you, and it rips us off for all that he's given you to give to us. So what's the result of this self-centered type of Christianity that goes on? Chicken soup for the soul churches. And what do chicken soup for the soul churches produce? Chicken soup for the soul Christians. You say you're knocking that stuff at all. But what happens then is sermons become advice. Sermons become how-to. Or if you do this, you'll be happier. Instead of what God intended sermons to be. In the model of the apostles, the apostolic word of God brought to bear on the people of God. The timeless word of God being brought into our day and age, into our very lives, so we could leave church on Sunday Not with a bunch of how-tos, but saying, I heard the voice of the Lord, and I know what to do, and I don't need any motivation to do it, because it all came from the Lord. The Word of God comes along and says, do you want joy? Rejoice when others repent. Do you want joy? Rejoice when others grow. And you watch what I do inside of you. You want to experience the Lord? Stop being so overly consumed with yourself and be consumed with the Lord. And you will see what's really important. All of us has to say this. The Lord has taken the first step towards us. He created us. He sent his son to die for us. And every day... The next step is yours, and the next step is mine. If you're not a Christian, take the next step into the kingdom of God. Put your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Tell God you want to live for him for the rest of your life. Thank him for the cross. Thank him for the forgiveness of sins. 
And you will see that God will open up a whole new world to you. Step into his presence. Step into his love. Step into his joy. Step into his church. And whether you're a Christian or not, once you start to do that, you will always find another reason to rejoice. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.